0: Thank you, Father, the opportunity to share again from your word, your truth, your knowledge, and allowing me to be a conduit. Thank you, Father. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all praiseworthy. Sunday, our Lead pastor, I love it when he gets up. He's so animated, and, he, and I see his love for the word. I see that in his life. I've shared with you that they have, um, they are both doctorates. They both have doctor doctorate credentials, but they are not at all arrogant and looking down, this which I absolutely love about their, their humanity and their reality and their association with the congregation, because there are those, I've shared this with you before, it's kind of a sticker I have, um, but there are those that obtain a doctorate and they want to remind people at all times that they have that degree, and they speak down to people Um, as if it's their authority that has been given them somehow to humble those around them. Well, that's not what it's about. It's always about truth, and it's always about God's love, compassion, and kindness. And many of them tend to forget that because they have validation of mammon now. And I've shared this with you constantly. Validation of the Lord God Almighty is the only validation that one needs and the only place that one should seek validation from. But that's not the case, though. We put our, um, I hate to use the word, but sometimes, but we tend to put our trust in validation of mammon as opposed to God. worry so much about what people are gonna think or what they're gonna say or how they're gonna act are they gonna be mean to me um you know and they so they don't go out and they don't testify they don't share they find excuses as why they don't want to do that thing but then there are some of us that are going to do it no matter what and i pray this every day am i going out am i coming in i share with you constantly but we are told to be of good courage. Well, why? I, you know, I, I'm not going to fight anybody. No, you're not, but you're making excuses as to why you're not gonna go out and share the gospel, the good news from the Bible. You're not gonna go out and you're not gonna testify as to the Bible's story. You're not gonna testify as to the story of Jesus Christ coming to shed his blood for our sakes so that we all have a an opportunity to go to the kingdom of heaven and be heirs and joint heirs with Jesus in the kingdom of heaven, as we are told in the Bible in several places about that thing. But you tend to put your credence in the validation of mammon. And again, I'm using that as a generalized term, But if the shoe fits, then put it on and walk in that pinching squeaky shoe and then get on your knees or get someplace aside or have somebody with you and repent for that. And don't get your knickers all twisted up because I'm speaking this way. I'm speaking in truth. If it doesn't apply to you, then what are you getting all twisted about? If it does apply to you, and it still offends you, then you really need to be talking to God and the Holy Spirit to come in and change some things in your walk. Because we are supposed to be able to do this, and the Bible tells us that we should do this, and it is for the exhortation. It's not to be little, degrade, or put anybody down. It's to get you to adjust a thought that if somebody else beside you is seeing this thing done, then you know that uh, that others outside of the family bond are seeing it as well. Or perhaps it doesn't matter to you out there because you're doing what you wanted to do anyway. So the Bible talks to this. It speaks to this very thing. So if it offends you, then... What that tells me is that you are practicing that thing that bothers you so much. Otherwise, it wouldn't bother you because you know the word and you know what we are taught and you know what we're supposed to be doing. So you're saying, oh, he's, he's speaking generality. It doesn't apply and just go on your merry way. But if you are getting so crosswise about it and so agitated about it, then it must be hitting home. Be wary of what you show. You have to show out what he has put in. He being, of course, our Heavenly Father. I'm certain that he didn't put that in you. Okay, that being said, that that had to come out because um, the Holy Spirit said so. Why? Because it's being shown and done throughout this nation. Churches are showing that out. They're not showing out what God has put in, but they're showing out erroneous testimony, falsehoods, false doctrines, false teaching. And they're showing something that God is not. This nation needs prayer. And when I say this nation, I'm not just talking about the nation itself. I'm talking about the church. We're supposed to be praying for our pastors, for those who are in so-called leadership positions within a body of church. But we are told that we need to uplift them. It's a hard spot to be in. I've shared this with you before. It's a hard place to be. They need our prayers. They need our support. They need to be lifted up because they are trying to please everyone. Abraham Lincoln said a long time ago, I've shared this with you before. You can't please all the people all the time. And pastors get in this position and their hearts are, it's a hard place to be because they try to do that thing and they try to show that outwardly and they try to be they have to be somewhat disassociated with the congregation and separate because it's a hard place to be they're trying to be good and kind and compassionate to everyone and everyone is not that they don't reciprocate that they get attitudes they get obnoxious and downright rude and nasty sometimes but the heart of the pastor it's hard it's a hard walk and there are some people that'll do it, and they'll get up and say anything they want because they get paid. Whew, that's a that was a hard one, but it's true. They get paid, so that's all they're concerned about. They're getting a paycheck, or sometimes uh, certain churches they will they put their pastors in <clears throat> what's called a manse. It's right next to the church. <clears throat> Pardon me, or uh, they provide. The rent payment and everything, so they they're taking care of the pastor in that way um, it's a difficult because they do they do funerals, they do weddings, they do things that bring their heart up, and then they get involved with things that just it almost seems like their heart's ripped out and stepped on, and they've got to do this, and yet they have to study, keep themselves approved of the Lord God Almighty, and then they've got to get up on this stage. And stand behind the dice and they have to preach the word of God. And I'm so thankful that my shepherd, my pastor, my earthly, the hireling, as they're called in the Bible, and his family follow the word of God. They speak truth and they don't show any of that outwardly. But some of us can feel it. And we need to keep them in prayer. We need to keep them in prayer. And we need to make sure that we stay in communion. Now, there are some folks that get that all twisted up and they think communion is only talking about uh, drinking of wine or eating an unleavened cracker or specially prepared cracker to exhibit that that Jesus shared with the, the disciples when he broke bread and drank wine and then explained the symbolism. And I was looking for something other, but then the Holy Spirit directed me to this communion, that it should be shared. So there are many, there are many that have a misconception about communion. And when they talk about communion, they talk about it only in a ritualistic sense. And that communion is only done on a certain day, a certain time, and a certain way. There are some places where they do a big... Ritualistic community, I mean, big parade, and they have um, they do all sorts of stuff, but it's only done uh, once a quarter, once a month, only on a specific date, and they do they they make it very ritualistic. This is one of the things that why Jesus Christ spoke adamantly against religion, and yes, he did. Jesus did not speak to religion in the way that many people think, but he spoke against it because it ritualizes God and God is only let out of his little specially carved box on special occasions. He isn't glorified. He isn't prayed to. And and he's a, he's symbolic as long as he's in that little box. But as far as that goes, that's only opened up on Sunday. They don't have prayer meetings. They don't get together. They don't gather, um, And they're going along as is spoken against in the book of Hebrews. I've shared that with you before. In the book of Hebrews, it tells us that we are a gathering people. And not to be as in the manner that some are and not to gather together. I'm going to read that for you because this is, has to do with communion. You understand? You getting my drift? So, as it's spoken of in Hebrews ten twenty-four, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of, of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So there are those individuals and I believe had this thrown out there before and I have thrown it out to you before, as it communion, we get the word community. God desires for us to be a community in his love, his compassion and kindness, and that we take care of one another and that we provoke one another to good works. Doesn't mean that you poke somebody with a sharp stick and get them out the door and say, go pick that up and we're going to go do this, we're going to do that. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. But by an example and prayer, and reminding them that we have this thing that we're going to go do, and it is reflective of God's love, and that we're going to go do it and get them talked into it. But communion is not about the uh, what do they call it? The Eucharist? What do they, I think they call it? Um, anyway, some some folks call it that, but it, it's not just the sharing of. Cracker juice, wine, cracker bread, whatever organization uses, whatever it's not just about that. And there's some definitions that are in here that apply, but some definitions that I found that communion is a group of persons having a common faith, or as the definition uh, talks about, a common faith or religious denomination well that's the thing that jesus you know i that's just the definition but yeah i'm a christian and folks ask and and if that's a title they need to attach to that but that applies to a lot of people a lot of different religious sects call themselves that, but as I've shared with you before is that that is a self-proclaimed and not a demonstrated name. and that's sad. but we need to practice being more of a more demonstrative in that kindness and compassion that we are sh- told that we need to shine out. We need to shine outwardly as a Christian what God has put into us. He manifested himself in the form of Jesus Christ which was the word, the word was with God and I've shared this from John from the, before, from the beginning and he was made flesh and he came to this plane of existence and died for our sake. But yet in this plane of existence we have religious denominations that have gone to war with one another. How is it showing out the compassion and love of Jesus? And I'm I'm going to go back a ways in history. I know this is going to get some knickers twisted. <laughs> I think that's kind of funny, actually. But you take a look at this that there were so many wars that were declared and utilizing God's name in vain to accomplish what they were going to accomplish or what they desired to accomplish. And have so forgotten that when Joshua was heading down into the Valley of Jericho that he encountered the captain of the host of heaven and threw himself down on the ground because he knew who he was speaking to. Heaven doesn't take a side. So when you start praying for a certain uh, official to be elected and you are praying basically for God to take a side for the person you want to vote for, and then you get agitated because that doesn't happen, what does that do? All that leads to resentment, it leads to attitude, and you're going to start speaking under your breath when you get around other individuals, or even outwardly and openly, oh, God doesn't answer prayer. I was praying for so-and-so, and he didn't get elected. Well, no, because so-and-so spoke a lot of lies and a lot of things that were untrue and people tend to buy into that. There are more people, sadly, that will adhere to speeches that are full of lies and rampant untruths. I mean, look at Jesus, he he is the truth and came and got before the Sanhedrin. And what did they do? They didn't follow the law. They didn't follow God's law, they didn't follow God's teaching, what did they do? They got all ramped up against Jesus because they decided and declared that he was blaspheming God as declaring himself the son of man, which the prophets all spoke of Jesus, the Messiah, as being the son of man. And he said that he was that thing and they got all ramped up about it and said now oh he's a he's a blasphemer he's a liar he's claiming to be the son of man how dare him well excuse me how dare they and they determined that he wasn't just because they went and got their little credentials on a piece of paper and that's what I was sharing earlier is that there are some that get that little credential that's signed by mammon, by somebody here on the face of this plane of existence that signs their name to it with a real fancy fountain pen and they make it real pretty and they put that ornate uh, little uh, filigree around the edge. So now there's somebody because now they've been called a doctor. They have a doctorate that somebody on this plane of existence decided that they know more about God than somebody else knows about God. Oh, because they had to go and learn Latin and Greek and maybe another other language in order for them to get a grade. It has nothing to do with their heart to God. It has to do with getting a grade. And now on the flip side, there are those that go through that because they have a strong desire to do that thing and God guides them through it. And that's commendable, and it's great, and it's awesome. But I share with you again, why are you looking to man for that that you should be seeking from God? I don't hold a doctorate degree, but I do know the word of God, and I do know that God walks with me, and he talks with me, and guides me, and teaches me, and shows me. This this thing here, this I was... I was thinking to go a different direction and the Holy Spirit said, oh, no, we're going this way. Whew, off I went. I signed a blank contract with my Lord God, put my name on it. I don't need to have the, the have the uh, paragraphs and chapters in there. The thus is therefore is this party, the first part of the second part of the third part. None of that needed to be in there. It was blank. I signed it. Why do I need to know all that? God is God. He's my father. The Holy Spirit guides me. I don't need God to tell me and explain to me anything that's going on. It's his purpose, his way, and his walk, period. But there are those that decide that they want God to, hey, you gotta let me know where I'm going. What are we doing? What have you got planned? It doesn't work that way. Don't forget your place that God is a sovereign Lord over all things. He is the Ancient of Days, and how dare you to stand up and declare that God needs to tell you what he's got planned. I had no problem in signing that blank contract with him. I'm going to be about my father's business and he cares for me, he loves me and whatever God decides, I got this uh, thing going on and I've shared a little bit partially with you and here's the deal. If God decides that he's going to take me a different direction at this point in time, that's okay, that's fine. God is with me. Okay, back to the thing. I got a little sidetrack I get I'm shared with you. So communion is not that taking of the juice and the cracker, the wine and the bread. Yeah, they use that term because we're all supposed to be coming together. But communion is a group or a gathering of the people. And don't corrupt, don't corrupt that gathering by deciding that you need to have religious... Um, religious rituals. That's what Jesus was trying to establish. And because when you establish a religion and you need to do it, you become very ritualistic. And rather than the worship and the praise that God so richly deserves, and that's why I use that term. Yeah, amen means so be it and aman, aman, A-H-M-A-N, aman, means praiseworthy. God is praiseworthy, Jesus is praiseworthy, the Holy Spirit is praiseworthy when they are spoken separately, but remember that they are the holy triune and that part of the mystery that we're talking about, they can be separate, they can be together, And we just need to worship because they are praiseworthy. You come to his gates with thanksgiving. You enter the courts that go between the gate and his temple and praise. And then when you get in his house, you worship him because he is praiseworthy and he deserves that worship. Lord God Almighty. So. So. Don't be ritualistic and don't do that. So another portion of the definition is that communion has to do with uh, association or fellowship. That's pretty powerful. You associate with all those folks, not just because there's a coffee counter, which a lot of churches do these days, and they have baristas that take care of you. It isn't just for that. It's not a clubhouse. You don't get this little patch that you get to wear on the side of your jacket because now you go to that church. It's done because if I do something that has our church, that's because I want to invite people there. I'd like them to get and ask a question. And that's a good thing. But it's not just because I belong to that club and nobody else does. That's like motorcycle gangs do that stuff. And it's not a gang membership, it's a God membership. You belong to God, you are his child, and you want to associate and fellowship with those that also are like-minded, praise and worship God. And that's the design that God desires for us to be in fellowship, to worship and praise him, to show that kindness, and that compassion to others. I like this definition (laughs) um, that I found, the other one, and uh, the term interchange. I have this illustration and this analogy that I'm going to use because I'm familiar with it what I did for 25 some odd years when I drove the big trucks from coast to coast from border to border. I became familiar with a lot of interchanges that I encountered on the road. And that's an interesting terminology and I think that it also is very illustrative of communion. And the term I believe that God wants, and not what churches want when it speaks only about the sharing of the wine and bread. But interchange. And interchange is where many intersections or roads come together. And some are interesting. The first one I ever ran into was actually many, many, many decades ago. And it was um it was the first roundabout. I think that's what they call them nowadays, Roundabout, is the very first one that I ever encountered and it was um, right in the skirts of Laredo, actually. And it was, I I like them actually. When people drive in them the way they're supposed to and pay attention to the others, they're really actually pretty great. I wasn't familiar so I got a little confused and I had to go around twice. But when you go into this interchange, you have your streets that exit and you pay attention to signs and you position yourself within that interchange so that you can make your exit. And if you're going to continue around, then you stay to the inner portion of the circle. And the outer portion is for those that are desiring to exit on a particular street. So they stay and they go and then they find that and that, Circular interchange allows them to go that direction, and actually this thing ran smoothly. but this is what this interchange or sharing of road as this interchange is used out there you you're sharing a direction you're sharing the road you're you're going in a certain place, and you can do this as a group or collective grouping of automobiles, but then you go that direction. Well, let's think about that. It is the interchange for the sharing of thoughts and emotions and intimate communication. When you come as a community and you come not just for the communion and the sharing of the uh, Eucharist, I think that's the right word. I'll have to look that up. Um, But you come together for that emotional uplifting, sharing of emotional ideas. And Paul talks about this all the time, almost in every single letter that he's written to every single church. He talks about being like-minded in the love of God and that we share that one with another. Like-minded in our hearts and our love for God, and we are a community. And this is kind of why he and Peter had their little thing. Peter was doing that in appearance things, but then they came together and they actually got got a directional thing. But but see, here's the thing too: is that some people didn't get this. Is that. God knew Peter's heart and he knew the apostles and the disciples going in a direction. But Paul, and it's interesting that he is used for this, is that, that Paul was chosen. And he was chosen because of his contrary spirit to those that were following the law and the word of God And the purpose for this enlightening, thank you, Father. Um, and he was chosen, I think, specifically because that was his walk. What they called the Gentiles and and the uh, circumcision. Um, understand too that it wasn't the physical circumcision. And for those that you don't know, circumcision back in the day, that's when they removed the foreskin. And actually there's a circumcision surgery that's done on women as well, but they removed the portion and that was supposed to be for their, um, a sign of their uh, commitment. And it was done for a covenant that they had made with God and to to show that. Well, that is not a requirement there are some that do, it's, a, it's for a different purpose, but the separation that they're talking about for those circumcised and non-circumcised, and you had um, the Gentiles, which are those outside of, the, they were not Jews. Uh, so you had the Jews, and then you had those that were, um, they were Roman and everything else, okay? And that's okay because those are the ones that Paul spoke to or, or preached to most commonly because he was more readily accepted into that group. I mean, that's what he belonged to and and, they, and he had a reputation and his reputation was actually used in favor sometimes and in some walks that he had. And it was easier for him to speak with them. And then you had Peter, who was uh, more inclined toward the Jews. And the reason that he and Paul had this falling out, short term, was because Peter was showing one thing but doing something else, and and Paul called him on it. They had a bit of an argument. Nothing got into fissy or anything like that, but but because Paul had his favor one way and Peter had it the other way, but he was called. And then the Lord gave Peter a vision. He had a dream to show him that what he had been doing was not wholly acceptable and he showed him the gathering of the blankets, the animal, and he saw this, and the scripture shares this, vision, this dream that Peter was given. And he realized that he needed to share in community and communion and fellowship with everyone because that was God's desire. Now, Granted that Paul might've been a little harsh to him and, and couldn't get him to understand, but I'm sure that Paul was praying over that because he didn't go to bed angry He might've been angry when it was getting time to go to bed, but then he prayed and Peter was given this vision. The Lord gave Peter a vision and he had a dream and he saw these things that he was needed to practice communion and community with those he was preaching to and sharing the word of God with. It had to be a community thing. And that was the whole basis of that issue. And some people get a misunderstanding about that. It had to do with communion and community and not because he was sharing the word with the Jewry and Paul was sharing with the Gentiles. It wasn't about that. It had to do with community and communion to be like-minded of one spirit, of one mind, joined together in fellowship, in the word of God, and that's what it was about. That's what they learned and practiced. Here's the thing too, brothers and sisters, you have to understand. I don't put myself above anyone else out there because that's not my place. I have this mirror that floats around in front of me, and I try to make sure that what I'm sharing, unless directed specifically to share a certain way from the Holy Spirit, And remember this, everything I share with you is truth, knowledge and wisdom that comes from God. And if it comes to you and God allows me to share it, better know that it's true because I'm always going to be truthful with you all. And I don't want it, sometimes it may appear to be that and I apologize for that if so. But as I said, if it's allowed to be shared and continued, then it's not coming from me, it's coming from him. And if it seems like I'm talking down to you, that's only because of perspective, because he is greater than us all. And he has that authority. I'm not going to try to belittle, degrade, put anybody down, but I am going to share God's word and his truth and his knowledge. Period. Because it's about him. Period. It's to glorify him. Period. And as Paul tells us to be like-minded, like spirit, pray one for another. That's what I do. I pray for you on my going out. I start my day in prayer for you. I end my day in prayer for you. I pray over you that you be strong, courageous, robust, be of courage, good courage. Don't be afraid, but that you stand up and you share his truth. As long as you're sharing his truth, that comes from his knowledge and his wisdom that he he loves to share. He does. God's a sharing God. He doesn't keep everything all hoarded up. He doesn't do that. He likes to share. So, back over here to this an interchange. It has us all going in the direction that we need to go. And sometimes our direction is not the same direction as somebody else's. That's where that roundabout comes from. The interchanges come about. You got to go a different direction. You're not going to follow everybody in the same way. God's got you going somewhere. You have to go someplace specific. The roadmap showed me that I had to get off of that main road and I had to go over this way. So I followed the directions and I was supposed to go. God gives us directions. Listen to the word when it directs us to go a certain way. And sometimes it may take you away from a group that is not functioning properly. If they're not following the word of God and they're trying to get you to do things that you're not supposed to do or you shouldn't be doing and they continue to try to belittle, degrade and put God down and try to get you to cooperate with their ideals And get you to follow their lead instead of his lead. Then we're told that we need to cut that rope. Because they're like a millstone around our necks. And they're going to take you down to the deep dark depths. They're going to get you off your walk. They're going to try to take you away from your faith. So you hang out with them. And remember this too. Is that church is not a clubhouse. The house of God is to gather us together as we are called to be that peculiar people that we are. And we are called that not because, well, in some people's eyes, an oddball, I'm considered that, and I don't care, really, because I'm doing what God has me to do, what he wants me to do, what he directs me to do, and therein is where I will walk. And if some people wanna think that I'm an oddball because I do that thing, Oh, well, guess what? You've heard me share this before. I don't care because God's validation is what matters. And if he validates what I do and how I speak, then that's all that matters to me. Um, Some people have, and they do, try to share their overtly done, opinion and tell me that I shouldn't be doing something because they don't do it and they don't buy it, well, it doesn't work that way. God says this is what I should do. God directs me to do that, Then I'm going to do that. I don't want to cause confusion. I don't want to hurt people, and I'm not going to confront them, but I'm going to worship my God, my way, the way that he tells me I should worship him, and there's an example of this in the book of Psalms. Actually, I before Psalms, uh, it was shortly after David was received his anointing, was crowned king, and he had his uh, Michael, i not sure how to pronounce her name, but his wife came out because David had returned triumphant and he was worshiping God and he was he was so elated and so pleased he was sharing of food and all the things that had been and he was sharing with his people and he was giving them some of the, the, the treasury that was taken. I mean, this was in their culture, but he was dancing and worshiping God. Well, his wife wasn't exactly in that way. She married him for positional reasons and not for... His love of God, or anything, and she didn't accept that. And she tried to tell him that he was embarrassing her. And pretty much he just told her, He said, Well, you're not going to tell me how to worship God. I'm worshiping God because my heart is overjoyed that He did this for us, and I'm sharing with the people, and it's going to be that way. And he continued. And remember, I've shared this with you before. You can only be embarrassed if you allow yourself to be embarrassed and if you feel guilty that you're doing something, that's because you have allowed that to happen. David was not embarrassed. He didn't feel embarrassed and he wasn't feeling guilty because it's what his heart was feeling. It was overwhelmed and it was flowing out and he wasn't going to be told that he couldn't do that or that he shouldn't do that or trying to degrade what he was doing by saying, oh, a king doesn't act like that. Well, a king who is a child of God and God overwhelms his heart like anyone else, why can't he? And I've seen this done within bodies where you have individuals that are not worshiping God because they um, they have this austere persona that they try to put out there, well, don't do that. You worship God, but I'm not going to judge them because maybe that's their way. They they allow that thing to happen. They they got to pray and talk to God about it. That's for God to direct, not for me to decide and not for me to try to belittle them. The Holy Spirit will guide their steps. So when we get involved in that interchange, you just have to remember that we're not all going in on that one street and that you may go down another street. And God's guidance and direction from the Holy Spirit is what's taking you on the path that you follow. And it might not be all on that main road or that main highway. You may hit that interchange and and change down a side street. But we are still needing to be in communion. And in regards more to communion, that we are sharing or holding in common participation in the worship of God. That is communion. And in some Places I kind of shared. It has to do with the Eucharistical, uh, the sharing of the Eucharist, which is the um, the sharing of the wine and and uh, let me make sure I'm I'm, sure, um, I'm, I'm gonna, Yeah, the Eucharist is the sharing of the wine and, and unleavened bread as Jesus did in the last, and when he shared with them and he broke bread and wine, and said so to do this in remembrance until I come again. Well, yeah, we have to remember, and communion is a thing that we are told that we do to help us remember, and sometimes there are things that we need to take part in to help us to remember and that's okay, he doesn't mind that but don't make it as so many (laughs) religions and there's that word, you have to remember this too, that Jesus did not like that label being tacked on he didn't like it there's some that don't understand it, that's okay but because so many times religions become so uh, ritualistic and in the sharing of communion, it loses its meaning because it has become so ritualistic. So that meaning that Jesus shared with us is lost. It's pretty much done away with and it becomes something that the high priest or the elder or however you want to decide that is done. And I know that this is old teaching and old ways. And forgive me father, I don't wanna <laughs> I don't want to step on that, but when the separation of God and the Holy of Holies and that the high priest is the only one that can can do that, I know that they adhere to that because at the time, there was no, uh, Jesus hadn't come yet, and there was no, uh, basis for it because they had separated themselves from God. And it was, it was, uh, basically that was a ritualistic thing done as well. We decided to separate ourselves from God. So those that came together and they went to the temple and the synagogue and they went and they, they got the high priest and said, hey, go in there. You know, We don't know how to do this. We're not sure. And so that was part of his job and then he would go into the Holy of Holies and, and there are some that still practice that. But as Jesus told the woman at the well, there's coming a day where you won't have to do that where you'll be able to talk to God, anywhere you want, anywhere you can. The Bible tells her, Jesus told her that, and yet you have individuals today, oh, you can't pray at work, you can't do this, and you can't do that, and you can't, and Paul tells us all the time, pray continually. Pray constantly, constantly be in prayer. I've shared with you before, I pray, I pray at work, I pray while I'm doing my work, and it can be done. You don't have to throw yourself down on the ground, In a ritual state of prayer, you don't have to uh, have a prayer posture. There are some things that you want to do that because it's out of your caring for God more than it is the ritual. And as long as you're doing it that way in your heart, then that's the important thing. I remember when I go to church that I'm gonna worship God and I'm gonna praise him how he makes me feel. And I assume prayer postures. But when I'm at work, I don't have to. I can talk to God. When we pray to God, we have to, you have to, you got to break this little mold that, that we've been accepting for so long and that we know that it doesn't have to be in a little cookie mold. Prayer is communing with God in a personal conversation with him and a relationship, which is what God desires of his children anyway. It doesn't have to be done in exact way because somebody in the church says, oh, you need to do it this way. You got to do it this way. You can't do it that way. You have to do it this way. And then they want to follow that. So wait a second. Now, are you following the rule of mammon or are you following God's way? Which way are you going? Follow God's way. The Holy Spirit will guide you. And if he tells you that you worship a certain way, then you worship in that way. Just don't be confusing and disrespectful about it. And I don't believe that I am. And remember too that that portion, I I love Jamie's message comes out of John. We're talking to John. And John was actually called the beloved of Christ he was called that He was the disciple that Jesus loved that different terms in that way but he was he was close in his relationship with Jesus on the face of this earth. He wanted to be as close as he possibly could to him all the time. And John's writings and his messages, and he was, uh, he actually went out as an apostle. And uh, as I can't remember exactly who it is, and I have to find the scripture, but it's kind of funny because John is, was called a beloved and he shared all those things. It seems like uh, most all of his, points and things when he was talking about Jesus always talked about the love his love and he always had things to say and pointed out the relationship that we have with Jesus through that more personal relationship and talked about the love and our continuation in that. And we have to know that that love that God gives and shares with, the the term that, that he used was abundance of God's love was shown out to us in Jesus coming to be crucified for our sake. The sacrifice, the sacrificial lamb, John the baptizer was in the river and they were coming to be baptized. And he looked up and he saw his cousin coming down to be baptized. Yeah, John the baptizer was Jesus Christ's cousin. Because you remember that when Mary approached Elizabeth's house and got close to her, that she felt John jump in her womb, he leapt in there. I mean, it was it was different. She said he felt him leap. Yeah, babies kick and they do different stuff, but I think a mom would be able to tell what he's doing in there. And John the baptizer was indeed Jesus's cousin. And he said, behold, the lamb of God, whose sandals I am not fit to latch. And he was preparing the way for Jesus, the walk for people to be able to come and go. but that love that God showed to us and had shared in John three sixteen, For God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And because of that love that Jesus gives to us and that he shares with us and still shares with us, we are to have life And have life more abundantly. And he even shares that in the word. What does that mean abundantly? Is that he provides for us everything that we need. Might not be everything that we want. I've shared this with you before too. Might not be everything that we want. It's possible. But everything that we need, he knows. And he shares it with us. And the devil wants us to be caught up in different things. And he wants us to forget that. We get caught up in that white noise, that interference that he tries to pour over us to keep us confused and keep us away from that knowledge. But remember this very important, is communion with the Lord and not so much in the, Eucharistic symbolism, which we are to remember all the time because the Lord told us that. But communion in that fact that God wants to have community and we are called as a gathering people, he wants his children to want to be close to him, to commune with him, to engage with him, to be his child. And we are to do one with another that very thing that he wants with us. One mind, one spirit, one thought, one prayer. We are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ in the kingdom of heaven. And God gives us that opportunity. And he wants to have that relationship with us. And pray. Remember this too. I've shared this with you all before. God shares our prayers. The prayers of the saints. And we are never termed by God. In the Bible. In a singular form. And that by his grace we are saved. And as we find in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians 2.8. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And what that's saying is that it's not by our good works that are we saved and our salvation, but that we are created by and for and through so that we do good works. And some folks get that backwards. Oh, that by being goody, 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 then we're saved, 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 and we go to heaven, heaven, heaven. Well, doesn't work that way. It works by the love of God through Jesus Christ coming and dying for our sins. That's how it works. Brothers and sisters, in my prayers, every day, all day.